0: Businesses often think about culture and recruiting as internal functions. I think of them as an external promise to your prospects and customers, and I think we've been um, astounded by the degree to which it's helped us deal as a business. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz podcast, your weekly jolt of all things digital
1: and in inbound marketing. Brought to you by redpandas.com.au. Now for your host and co-founder of Red Pandas, Moby Sadiq. Welcome to Inbound Buzz, I'm your host Moby Sadiq, I truly hope you're well, you're positive, you're pumped, wherever you're listening to the show today. We're back with another fortnightly interview with a digital marketing expert. Now today's interview is a little bit different to the stuff we normally talk about and it's this very same reason I've been trying to get today's guest on the show for about 4 months. Culture as a competitive advantage. Is one of the most underrated and irreplicable advantages a business can create it's hard to dispute very few companies have been able to achieve this advantage like hubspot has been able to so i thought who better to chat about this topic who better for me to find than a person instrumental to the culture at hubspot so without further ado ladies and gentlemen let's learn a thing or two from katie burke Speaking to our guest today is a pretty big deal for me. After many, many months, I finally managed to lock our calendars together and spend time with the Katie Burke, VP of Culture and Experience at HubSpot. Katie, I'm super pumped. Thanks for coming on to the show.
0: Moby, uh, the feeling is very much mutual. It's an honor to be on with you, and excited to to chat on all things culture and all things.
1: Oh, lifestyle. stop it! I'm glad we made it. Let's get straight into it. So, just to give our listeners a bit of a background, what does a VP of Culture and Experience do at HubSpot?
0: Yes, it's a great question, and honestly, on any given day, I'm still figuring it out. But the kind of uh, the core of what we do at HubSpot is our our mission as a company is to rethink to help companies globally. Rethink how they market and sell to match how modern humans shop and buy. So, folks like you and I, we don't like to be interrupted. We really want to earn people's attention rather than rent it. So, sure. for me, I love Scott's mission, rethinking what marketing and sales look like. But one of the things I love is that in parallel, our founders were really passionate about thinking through what um, what a culture where people actually wanted to come to work look like. And so Um, The way that I see the core of my role is making our employee experience at HubSpot so remarkable that if you ran into a -er, HubSpotter in Sydney, in Melbourne, or in New York, or in Dublin, really anywhere in the world, whether they were on holiday or working or whatever the case may be, that if you asked them, what's your job like at HubSpot, that they would say, oh my goodness, it's amazing, let me tell you about it. And not in any sort of fake um, way, but rather that their job is so meaningful and the work that they're doing is so important and valuable to them and the team they're working with is so credible that they would actually rave to you about it. And so um, I view my job as creating that experience, as iterating on the experience every day and really thinking differently about what it means to come to work every day. My goal is to create a workplace where people grow their careers uh, grow their leadership capacity and grow what they believe they were capable of and so everything that
1: my team does every day is focused on that core main goal yeah awesome awesome i've got a few questions for you on that i can't wait to rip into but before we get there so inbound was just insane congratulations for such a great event i think at the record you guys broke the record this year nineteen thousand. i mean it was just amazing for me it was my i've seen like catch-ups of others before, but it was my first time actually being there and experiencing the aura that is inbound. For you personally, Katie, apart from it being a very proud moment, what were your you know, one or two quick highlights?
0: Sure. So I think the team that runs inbound did a wonderful job this year. I think they just kind of really did a remarkable job at executing. Um, I think for me, Charles Duhigg is a New York Times reporter who's done a lot of work on productivity. And for me, I love hearing him talk because he talks about Um, I really love learning from people in other industries, so I like learning from, you know, surgeons, medical professionals, artists, um, people that fall in those categories, and I like that he uses West Side Story and great medical professionals as frames for how we can all think about being more productive and doing more with less, Um, so for me, hearing him speak is Um, is kind of always a treat. And then to be completely honest, we have a ton of employees every year who present and who work tirelessly both to execute on the event, but also to speak, to share what they know. And so for me, the highlight is often walking by HubSpot HQ in our main kind of event center and seeing a customer rave about the help that they received, or hearing an employee say, I never thought that I could present in front of X hundred people or a thousand people, uh, that's always super energizing for me too.
1: Yeah, also awesome. You must be so proud. Amazing. Um, okay, so first off, I want to congratulate you guys on being awarded the second best, coolest company to work for by Glassdoor. Like, seriously, well done. Now, you were like when I talk to you, um, when I talk to the guys, you know, at HubSpot, when I talk to yourself and personally, like, I can feel it. Like, I mean, and what I just find so remarkable about the whole Glassdoor thing is you personally respond, and I mean, you personally, Katie Burke, I've seen this, responds personally to the Glassdoor reviews, which is just amazing, addressing every concern, no matter how small. My question is, and this is specifically in regards to you responding to these Glassdoor reviews. Why do you do it, and what does that do for staff and public viewing the page?
0: So I think you mentioned Glassdoor, and I think you're right to push on it, which is I think Glassdoor and other companies like it are fundamentally transforming how candidates evaluate their job search, right? So... As someone who's a super talented marketer in your own right, you obviously have a ton of options for where you choose to work on a day-to-day basis, and so I think in the old world, it used to be that folks in HR recruiting could run an employment brand from an ivory tower. Um, they could control the message. They had kind of all the power. If you want to talk to someone in your next role, uh, you would have to ask me for that reference, and I think... Glassdoor is changing the game. They're providing candidates with a window into what it's really like to work at your organization. And I think I'm always struck by people who ask me, how do I avoid Glassdoor? Or how do I make sure that I can just work, how do I create workarounds around it? And I just think that's akin to you know being a company who, you know, 10 or 15 years ago thought you could avoid online sales or they avoid the internet entirely. I just think it's the way that the world is going. into so for me. Um, The glass door responses. people say, like, oh, I can't believe you do it. For me, it's some of the most valuable time I spend in any given week because it gives me a sense of um, what our employees are thinking and feeling on a regular basis. But it also gives me a sense of, on the candidate side, what we're doing well, what is working. Um, I obviously can't be in all places at once. So, for example, I don't know what people are thinking and feeling um, in Sydney or in Singapore or in our Portsmouth, New Hampshire office all the time. So when I get a note from a candidate saying I interviewed with Holly in Portsmouth or I interviewed with Sharon or Nick in Singapore and I had a great experience and here's who I met on the team and how wonderful they were, that's great positive reinforcement feedback I can share with our team. And when things aren't going so well, that feedback is incredibly helpful for us to learn. And so the way that I use it. Um, this really is a feedback mechanism for how both our employment brand and our employee and candidate experiences are going. Uh, I view it as a, as a very worthwhile investment of time and I love that our execs and employees pay, pay close attention to both the quantity of reviews but also, frankly, the quality mm-hmm. of what
1: they... Mm, do you think the fact that you do respond, it actually encourages... and As opposed to kind of, oh, how do I shut it off? It actually you know encourages more people to raise their honest because the scariest thing is when people don't talk right Katie like they're actually raising their concerns that's it's a healthy thing
0: oh of course people always say don't you get sick of hearing the negative feedback and I always say to them you know I would get scared of silence I think that's actually the worst or or frankly apathy if people didn't care to me like yes and I'll make jokes about it sometimes people will say oh occasionally this soda runs out or this snack runs out (laughs) <laughs> and you know, that's obviously very funny and sometimes I'll poke gentle fun at them back as well uh, that's obviously not the point if you're working here for the snacks you're, you're doing it wrong but I do think when it comes to being um, a top employee you have a choice of where to work and I think you notice when people respond I think people um, you know, I got a note from one of our engineers the other day asking me a question about one of my responses and something I had cited it in it and I said to her Uh, gosh, you know, to be completely honest, I'm surprised that you even noticed this. It wasn't, you know, on your radar and it wasn't you and that sort of thing. And what she said was, It's part of the reason why I chose to work here and I'm always astounded by the number of people who reference Glassdoor as part of their decision process to come here and our engagement there is a key selling factor. So um, I think it's a great use of time. I think to your point, it definitely leaves the door open to more feedback and that's something we are really open to and frankly really want as our business grows.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Katie, I think it'd be, and anyone listening, I think everyone needs to pay attention now because I think it'd be remiss of me not to talk to you and not talk about culture code, right? And, like, this thing is insane. Like, it's been viewed 3 million times on SlideShare, I think 1 million since March alone. Incredibly inspirational stuff. So I'll share that in the show notes. And I wanted to dedicate a few quick questions to this. In your own words, quickly, what is? how would you summarize culture code?
0: Absolutely. So culture code, uh, which folks can go to at culturecode.com, is simply the embodiment of who we are at HubSpot and who we want to be. Uh, So the types of folks we want to hire, the type of culture we're trying to create as we grow and scale. Um, And ultimately, it's the brainchild of our co-founder, Darmesh Shah, who's also our CTO. And basically, he had this notion uh, in 2012, what if we took the time to codify what our culture stands for and really share it with the world and share it with our employees? So to me, it represents both the institution that we are and the institution that we aspire to be what we value in candidates and people, what we promote, uh, how we think about growth. And ultimately, I think it's a promise to our candidates, to our employees, but also to our customers um, of what they can expect from our team, our people, and our company as we grow.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Very succinct. I love it. So I'm sure in your time in other companies, my time, we've seen many shallow company values, right? Like this is our company value. These are our mission statement or internal mission, whatever it is how was this developed differently the culture code and how should companies sense check their own into so you know i'm hoping after this everyone jumps on and checks out the culture code slide share so how should they sense check that against the way you guys have done it how did you develop it differently
0: so the best way to sense check your own culture values however you choose to codify your culture the best way to sense check it is whether or not your most junior employee can reference it and reference it credibly um, and, to be honest, have a similar perspective to the one you do. Um, And then the second thing is your newest employee. So, for example, one of the things that people always tell me, execs always tell me, well, I'll teach Moby what's important here when he gets here. And to me, that's a huge missed opportunity, right? You should know what the organization stands for and what they value long before you show up. So I think if you – Wait to codify what you care most about. You're missing the point. I also think if you think you keep it close to the vest and just keep it as a printed manual in the executive office, uh, you're thinking about it wrong. I think the culture code is very important for the candidate that pulls in. But I also think it's really important we are very clear that our organization is fast-paced, that we change rapidly, uh, that we have high expectations, that we have no trouble rethinking the status quo. And candidly, there are some people who read that and say, that sounds awful to me. That's not a great place, and I wouldn't thrive there. Mm. I actually think the biggest mistake people make with codifying their own cultures is trying to appeal and be all things to all people. I think you'll know you've done it right if it feels unique to your company and your organization, so you're not just saying things that other people do. The other thing I would do is make sure that it helps inform direct employee behavior. So one of the things I really like about Facebook's culture is one of their mantras is nothing is someone else's problem. And one of the reasons I really like that is because if you and I are sitting there and we notice a problem with something we're shipping to a customer, It means we can't take ourselves off the hook by saying no one told us to solve this problem or we can just leave it for the next person who sees it. It makes it clear that accountability is something they value and it fundamentally helps me make that decision better. And or if I don't do the right thing, it helps my manager coach me more effectively. And so I think um, the best culture documentation isn't all fluff and sizzle it's real substance and helps people make better decisions both on the candidate side and the
1: employee side. Awesome. I love that nothing is someone else's problem. Speaking of quotes, so I kind of went through this. I'm like, oh, there's got to be one or two things I want to speak to Katie about. I found 15 slides and I can't. I don't have the luxury of time to talk about these 15. But I mean, look, the, a couple of my favorites, right? Culture doesn't help attract amazing people. It amplifies their abilities and helps them do their best work. Now, the software is great. We all know that. I mean, if there's probably half a dozen podcast episodes I've done on the software alone. But for a few minutes, I'd, I'd love for you to talk about, you know, HubSpot's culture as a competitive advantage. I don't think that is seen. You know, people talk about innovation. How do we innovate our, our processes and our, our speed to market? But culture as a competitive advantage. How much of the culture do you credit to HubSpot's success?
0: So I think when I think about um, every software company <laughs> – Faces kind of its own challenges as we grow. At HubSpot, we think of people as our most precious resource, and our ability to attract wonderful people as a true competitive advantage as we grow. And the reason I say that is exactly what you mentioned. And and truthfully, it's a little bit of a window into um, something that, to be honest, we underestimated. So we thought about it as a recruiting and retention competitive advantage when we first launched launched the Culture Code. Mm. But thing we found as we grew was, if you look at the comments on SlideShare from people and even on the original blog post, we heard from a lot of customers and we heard from a lot of prospects. And basically, the way that I look at it is um, people have choices on who they do business with on a day-to-day basis. There are a lot of software companies out there. There are a lot of point solutions that solve some of the pain points that we solve. One of the reasons I'm so proud of the culture that our team has built here is um, we're also making a promise to our customers, and that if you're deciding between us and one of our competitors, I hope you check out our product. I hope you understand it. I hope you fall in love with it. Um, but as you do, I ho- also hope you fall in love with our commitment to our people. And I can't tell you how many people I meet who say, um, "You know, as you know, we're an all-in-one platform, and we offer support um, by our support line." I can't tell you how many people say. I had a call with one of your support engineers, and he or she fundamentally helped me solve a massive problem on behalf of our customers, get an email out that was hugely successful, and ultimately it drove a 30% increase in revenue for our business year over year last year. I think that stuff um, is tremendously important, and I think businesses often think about culture and recruiting as internal functions. I think of them as an external promise to your prospects and customers, and I think we've been um, astounded by the degree to which it's helped us scale as a
1: business. Uh, absolutely. I mean you can people can copycat all they like. That sort of stuff is very hard to replicate. Indeed, I agree with everything you said there with these support guys. Like it feels like they go out of their way. It's like part of their metrics or KPIs to make sure that person's issue is solved, not just how quickly do I get through, you know, these calls. So ditto that. Here's another favorite of mine, Katie. This this dual personality of mission and metrics is uncommon it's partly what makes us different. That's slide 34 of the um, the deck there. So with my clients, like I'll often talk about having a, uh, I mean, language is muchness of a muchness, right? So I'll talk about having a consumer value proposition and an employee value proposition. And that rare unicorn that successfully links those two is truly magical. So how have you guys linked that external and internal? I think you've already alluded to this. You know, is it, Does transparency have something to do with it? How how have you linked that external metrics versus kind of internal mission kind of thing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the benefits of releasing your culture to the world is you're then much more accountable to it. I think there's a fear of putting it out there because like everything with your brand, there's trepidation that it won't resonate or that people will um, disagree with it or push back. And from our perspective, I think that's actually incredibly valuable. I think to your point our whole point as a brand is to make marketing and sales more human and what better way to be more human as a business than to be clear about how much you care about people and, and how much you invest about it and in and it. And so I would say um, the way in which we market our platform hopefully has a very human-centric feel to it and I think the way in which we market our employment brand has a similar feel. Uh, the way in general that I tell people to think about it is I think Your consumer brand and your employment brand should at the very least feel like siblings. It shouldn't be any more distant than that. Mm. Um, I understand not making them identical twins, but I think they should feel like siblings. You should know that they're in the same family. I'm always confused by brands where they feel like distant cousins or distant relatives. I just think that that for me creates an asynchronous experience as a customer. Uh, So I think people should think about them at the very least. Uh, as siblings, you know, closely linked with the same DNA, I think
1: that makes a, makes a huge difference as you scale. Mm, absolutely. Katie, how do companies measure culture, right? One of the things that scares people, it's like, and I think this, it's referenced in the culture code, you know, this stuff pays dividends, but once it pays, it pays. Is there, apart from the really chill vibes that people feel when they chat to you and they walk into HubSpot, is there an index you guys use or recommend
0: You know, so what we do is we think about it really in three parts. And candidly, there are some things that are incredibly hard to measure. So I always say to people that the soft stuff is the hard stuff. The stuff that you can't measure is often the hardest, Um, truthfully, to put your arms around. But the things that we do measure are threefold. Uh, One is our retention numbers, so the degree to which people choose to stay and build their career at HubSpot. I think that can be very helpful. Uh, two is our glass door rating and ranking, and that's simply to keep us accountable to an external metric and to acknowledge how much the world is changing and how our commitment to transparency. The third is our employee net promoter score. So I mentioned to you at the beginning of the call that it's really important to us that if you meet a HubSpotter, he or she doesn't just say my job is fine, that he or she says, no, it's exceptional, it's remarkable, here, let me tell you about it. Um, that's really what that measures. So our employee net promoter score is something we take a pulse on quarterly for all of our employees from interns up to executives. That helps us identify potholes and areas that aren't working. It helps us uh, address and proactively fix things that are broken. Mm. It also helps us get skip-level feedback from the front lines on things that we might be missing as we walk around our hallways or visit our businesses. Um, and I think that's sort of incredibly, incredibly helpful as we grow and scale. So I think of those three things as our primary metrics and bellwethers. And then there are also some things just around candidate feedback, uh, things like the percentage of your offers that are accepted, um, growth, there are a million other things that fall in that category, but I would say uh, those are top of mind as ways in which we think about measuring
1: culture. I like it. Thank you for that very tactical tactical um, those tips there. Second last question. This is more of a, uh, I guess, con- conversation point around leadership. So recently I was chatting to a mentor of mine, Manil Murhi, who I know is listening to this because I'm going to shove this down her throat, this particular interview. But I remember a convo we had where I said, I reckon one of the biggest hacks, and I say hacks because we talk about you know, lead gen hacks and whatever, but I reckon one of the biggest hacks to being a leader and building your own name in an organization or a community or whatever is simply by making other people look good, giving other people credit where it's due. And I wanted to chat to you about this because I saw it at a wall in your office. I took a photo of it. But when I've personally done that, very quickly I've noticed a positive difference in the way people perceive me, not only the people I've gave credit to, but everybody else. So again, more of a question slash conversation point. I want to know what your thoughts are about that quote-unquote hack. What have you observed and do you have any other leadership or workplace hacks?
0: I do. So I think uh, you nailed it with success is making those who believe in you look brilliant. I think one of the things we've always believed is that being shockingly helpful to other people pay massive dividends uh, in terms of returns, both on goodwill, but also just in terms of kind of the network effect that it helps you um, helps you build. The other thing that we refer to that's in the culture deck a lot that I think is a good management hack is sunlight is the best disinfectant. So that's a quote that we say a lot around here. And one of the things that happens, right, is no matter what, even if you're the best intentioned person there become, as you grow, this temptation to keep things somewhat hidden, right? Let's not share this failure with the organization or let's not tell someone uh, why someone left or let's run from this challenge or problem because it feels overwhelming. And I think that bias of clarifying information helps really – you think about your priorities. It helps ensure that you're really being transparent. It helps you think about what solves for the organization and – sharing your learnings, even when they're not convenient or pretty. Mm -hmm. I think that's tremendously valuable. So that's a big one for me. The third thing is we have a a gentleman on our team who's our VP of engineering. And um, I think that there is no substitute for caring and for the communication that comes along with that care. And so one of the things he does is he he created a blog, a very simple internal facing only blog that's just called What's Up in Product. So that sounds very simple, Um, but to be honest, I don't know of anyone who's an engineering leader at that level who takes so much time to write content, not code. uh, That's just internal phasing to help communicate with his team. And he'll share. I don't think we're doing a good job at this. I don't think we're thinking uh, right about that. And for me, I think that vulnerability and that um, empathy is one of the, best traits that he brings to organization helps set a tone. And so I think especially for first time leaders and managers, there's a tendency to want to indicate that you know it all. Mm. And I think taking a step back, being a little bit vulnerable and not being afraid of what that feels like and looks like in practice makes a big, big difference.
1: Awesome. Amazing. Katie, thank you for being so generous with your time. I've got a final question. I like kind of having at least one, you know, kind of semi-personal question. So I follow you on Twitter and some of my favorite posts from you are around female empowerment, particularly around young female empowerment. And there's an amazing post that you've pinned in your Twitter and I'll share that in the show notes as well about how letting girls play sports can change, you know, their lives. And as as a father to a little girl, like that's the kind of world I want her to grow into. But linking it back to marketing... Um, and tech for a moment, before I digress, how far have movements like, you know, Girls Who Can Code, obviously they were at inbound, but how far have movements like them come and what more can we do as practitioners in the field to get more women, not only into marketing, because they're already into marketing, but into marketing techs and historically industries that were dominated by males like coding?
0: Oh, absolutely. This is an issue near and dear to my heart. So the first thing I think that anyone can do, regardless of where they sit in an organization, is tell more positive stories. So one of my hopes for the next generation of leaders, including your daughter, is that she is not so discouraged by the numbers and the stats and the dire nature of most of the coverage around women in tech that she doesn't want to pursue a career in tech. I think that's one of the challenges facing women in tech right now: is that you know, if you're a super talented um, you know person who's in elementary school and grade school and you're thinking about what you want to be. There's a reason you aspire to things that are highly elevated and relevant and seem cool. And so one of the things I think we can all do is share more positive stories. I think Girls Who Code at Inbound has done a great job at sharing really positive stories about what's possible and some good numbers to how people feel good along with some of the reality checks. Uh, The second thing I would say is I have a strong sentiment that a lot of women come in highly motivated and competent And frankly, they lose steam over time. Um, And unlike some of their male colleagues whose aspirations grow along with their career and their tenure, Mm. I think over time for a lot of women, imposter syndrome comes in and there's a, a socialized gender gap that occurs as far as aspiration goes. So I think one other thing that anyone who's a leader in the field or even an aspiring leader can do is talk to women about their deepest, craziest aspirations and what that might look like. Um, and one of the things you'll find is I think you'll find a lot of women just want to get to the next rung on the ladder. They just want to think about that next incremental promotion. And I think the more that we can talk to women about not being afraid to aspire to the highest levels of business, whatever that is for them, uh, the better and the more progress that we'll make. So we have an initiative at HubSpot called Women on Board. And we, you know, do workshops on, you know, helping women think about joining a public company board or a private company board or a nonprofit organization's board. And the reason we do that is not because we have any illusions that our, you know, 20-year-old interns will join a public company board next week, but rather because we hear from people regularly who say, you encourage me to raise my hand to join the board at my apartment building or to volunteer with the alumni board at my school. And when you start thinking about leadership possibility versus limitations, I think a whole host of additional opportunities open up. So I think uh, men like you who care about this issue and women who really care about this issue can help encourage women to the highest levels of business. And I think even just pushing on that can make a big, big
1: difference. I completely agree. I will be playing these back to my two-year-old in about 10 years, so <laughs> amazing.
0: <laughs> i forward to hearing about her career trajectory and please tell her to keep HubSpot in mind as she makes her decision. I oh, will
1: do, I oh, will do. Um, Katie, where can people reach you on Twitter and any of the other networks you're active on?
0: Absolutely. So at Twitter, I'm Katie Burkey, which is uh, my nickname growing up so it's a bit funky. So it's K-A-T-I-E-B-U-R-K-I-E. Uh, and that's honestly the best place to interact with me both personally and professionally. Uh, but folks can also check out our management page. They can check out culturecode.com or they can uh, chat to us on LinkedIn or anything else. Um, I'm pretty honestly my door is, is pretty open and pretty transparent, but Twitter is the best way to interact on stuff like that generally, daily. Amazing.
1: I just realized I've been calling you Katie Burke. So that's wrong. But um yeah, <laughs> no,
0: am what what's funny is um What's, I feel just terrible. The woman who has Katie Burke as her Twitter handle literally has in her Twitter bio, "I'm not Katie Burke at HubSpot." I <laughs> think she, she's ready. She's ready to lose her mind. Um, but yeah, no. I grew up in a hockey family, and so uh, my dad's nickname has been Burkey for as long as I can remember. Uh, so I just use that as my Twitter reference because it helps me distinguish from the lovely woman in San Francisco who is <laughs> not uh, is not me and is probably. Uh not my biggest fan at
1: the moment, I don't care. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Katie, thank you so much for your time. Can't wait to chase you down for a selfie at Inbound 2017. Um, yeah, Absolutely. Keep- I forward to
0: it. Thanks for having me, Bobby. Thanks, Katie. Cheers. Talk
1: soon. Hopefully, that was as powerful and inspirational for you as it was for me. Seriously, culture for a company, no matter what size, whether 2 or 2,000 people can make a world of difference. Not only to your bottom line and there's a lot of studies that have gone out and proven this that's one thing but the way people feel the pride they have in their job and their company and the levels of good work and productivity it's just incredible and look for all the copycats aside right replicating a culture that someone has taken time to nurture is incredibly hard to copy you can almost copy anything else processes you can you know competitors will still suppliers You know, People will take members of staff or whatever, but you can't rip off a culture. Not overnight anyway. Thanks again to Katie. We appreciate the time she took out for the interview. I actually first met Katie in the HubSpot Sydney office where she interviewed me for a client success story. And we've been trying to tee up a time ever since. So great to finally chat. Don't forget to check out culturecode.com.au or check out redpandas.com.au. Forward slash ep43 for the entire show notes check it out it's very easy to digest i mean it's a slideshare, share so you can rip through the whole thing in a you know in about 20 minutes if you really wanted to you'll start reading this thing and you'll want to apply it in your own workplace or you'll want your employer or your manager to apply it in their workplace but the other thing you'll notice if you're into things like you know leadership and character building there's some great lessons for you as well you know, gems like power is gained by sharing knowledge Not hoarding it and confidence comes from that place as well. Don't hire to delegate, hire to elevate. And then, this part here it's not necessarily you know management or leadership, but this is really cool. Stop generating unused reports, cancel unproductive meetings, remove unnecessary rules, automate manual processes. You know, just the garbage we don't have to deal with on a daily basis or we shouldn't have to deal with. It's you read this thing, you're like, man, it's reading my mind. So, check it out. Thanks again for tuning in. You can catch me on Twitter, as always, at Moby Sadiq. On LinkedIn, just search me or email Moby at redpandas.com.au. Hope you have a fantastic day ahead and I hope to catch you next time for another episode of Inbound Buzz.